Welcome back in listeners to a fabulous edition of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have two outstanding theater artists joining us today. We have the choreographer Bridget Spencer and the playwright and director Eduardo Tessio, both of who are with theater company Della Luna, who is presenting Les Bijoux de Paris, June 29th through July 1st at the Chain Theater. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting www.companydellalunatheater.com. And this is a very exciting new world premiere, and we are so excited to be bringing this to you. So with that, why don't we go ahead and bring on Eduardo and Bridget. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. I'm so excited to be here. I am just, I'm over the moon to learn more about this production. (laughs) A great infusion of dance and theater and pop music. I mean, this is incredible. And I'm doing a really terrible job of explaining it. So uh, (laughs) if I can start with you, since you are the playwright, could you tell us a little bit about the show? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you about the story uh, side of it. We are taking, we're talking about living mannequins in a fashion boutique. And these mannequins are alive, but are not allowed to leave the boutique because of a war against humans. So we use this world as an excuse to, you know, deal with topics such as loneliness or the queer experience for, for example, feminine men, because these, these mannequins are actually people and they're mannequins, but they're really very, very human. And they grow up in isolation, you know, coming out of COVID, having been isolated for a while, what is it like to grow up in isolation and figure out who you are and your identity and celebrate who you are as a human, even though they're mannequins, when you cannot have contact with the outside world you know so that's what we're doing with the story (laughs) interesting Um, from a dance perspective and from what type of show it is as a company we try to blend pop with musical theater so something to not expect is characters to suddenly break break out into song but rather in between scenes we have these really big pop numbers that kind of are inspired by Britney Spears, Pussycat Dolls, and we try to celebrate life through those. It's as if the story was told through the acting, but the world was built through the pop element, the songs and the dancing. That's a bit of the format we came up with, (laughs) with all the shows. It's very cool. It reminds me a little of like the old vaudeville shows that would have like an act, and then it was like a musical interlude, and then an act, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Of course, they're related to the story and, and the world, but it's very much a thing on its own. And, you know, the, the thing is, our objective really is to make an audience think, but also laugh, but also want to dance all at the same time in one hour and a half, you know, to get a bit of everything. Love that. So how did you two come up with the idea for Les Bijoux de Paris? Okay, on this, the story came first. The idea, we have this process that it's an ensemble-based theater company. So everybody, we have a process that is very like, <laughs> people do. The story always comes first. And actually, it's a post-breakup show. <laughs> I broke up with my ex-boyfriend and, and I was like, okay, it was my first breakup. I either write a very sad show. It's in the middle of COVID. It's really depressing. I was supposed to open a show a week later and theaters closed down. I was like, okay, how do I handle this? I either write a depressing show or I wish I won a party. So why don't I write a fun show? And the intention was that at the beginning, but then it ended up, 
I ended up talking about loneliness a lot because that's how I was feeling, but it came naturally while writing it. So there's a lot of comedy and these big characters, but it kind of just like came while writing. I didn't even have a structure at first, the first draft that just wrote and then became the deep show that it, that it is now. But it's starting from a place of wanting to have fun and connect and feeling isolated. And then, I mean, the choreography is something that we started dancing together in our freshman year of college about five years ago. And it was just a friendship. We would just go into a dance studio mm -hmm. and literally blast music, turn off all the lights, and we would dance for two hours. Yeah. Just crazy. Like, you know, 18, Edo was 17 at the time, just moved to New York, and it was our way of just freaking out without doing any damage. New York is <laughs> intense at first. <laughs> and then one day he said to me, hey, I have a show. Do you want to be the choreographer? And I had never choreographed anything before. So I gave it a shot. And then now five years later, we've made four whole shows together. Wow. Well, then, yeah. Uh, this is our fourth this one. Is our fourth. Yeah. yeah. In terms of the choreography, it's a very natural process. Most of it is created in our living room. And then I take it to a studio and teach all our dances. It's a lot of fun. We all live together. The company all lives together. So it's it was like an organic. That's a, why I was saying the ensemble component is so key to how each show is made because I do the playwriting, she does the, um, the choreography, somebody does the music. And it, we have a process that is always the same and it's very collaborative because it just, but we didn't force it. We were friends first yeah. and it just happened. Things went into the right place, you so know? We all went to drama school at NYU and we all met through the program there and it ended up just making sense. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I love all of that. Well, I love that you've, you've kind of explained how the show developed, but I kind of want to prod a little bit more with this particular one, as you're putting it in the chain theater, what has it been like getting it on its feet and, and getting into the space and working and everything? What's that been like? It's, you know, I think at least personally, it's it's about the people in the room. And and now it's it's very interesting for me that we have the theater company and it's official, like relating it to an audience. But the way it started for me and this show is, was very much like this too, is I'm really thinking about who is in the room and how we connect. So for me, the process is always about who is in the room. I, I We always cast not performers, but people first, of course. You need to know how to dance just a tiny bit or whatever it is, but we're, we don't want you if you're the best dancers in, in the world, but you're not open to conversation and you're not open to building this community that is like temporary, but sometimes friendships from shows like go on forever. So this show specifically, the actors are some Ari Satish, Sally Brown, and Tomoka Takahashi, all these people from different parts of the world who bring their own perspective to big topics such as loneliness because loneliness is a very human thing. So how does everybody relate to that? And there's been a lot of talking in the room before even getting anything on its feet. It's a lot of like getting to know each other better and and what can, even as a director, I'm not the kind of director who's like, this is the character, let's just analyze the script. I have a very clear idea at the beginning, but then after being in the room and characters, everything changes. I get to know them at this point of the process, which is the end, they know the characters way better than me and I wrote these characters because they have been these characters for a few months at this point, right? So for me, it's all about the people and these people are 
brought everything to it. The room got insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the same goes for the dance aspect of it as well. All the dances that I cast are friends first, but not not that I knew them. It's based on how can I connect with them? How can we actually make art? Because, you know, you can have somebody who can get that leg like up here, but if they're not connecting with the story and if they're not bringing themselves to the piece of art that we are trying to create, then what's the point? For us, it's always been about the process more than anything else. And when the process is fulfilling, the end product surely will be equally as fulfilling. I love that. You know, it's also like a bit of a struggle sometimes because like what we do is inherently commercial, not because we're trying to do something commercial, but because we happen to like pop, but it's like, okay, how can we make sure that it's not just about the product, but as Bridget was saying about the process, you know, it's it's all about the people, the people make the process. Yeah. Um, well, and kind of building off of the people, I want to ask, this is a very multicultural ensemble like you had mentioned you have people from all over the world that are making up this ensemble and you also mentioned about the different emotions and feelings that you're dealing with in this show is there a message or a thought that both of you are hoping the audience will take away from this work i think the biggest thing is we're celebrating life so with this show it's it's more about no matter how hard things get it's a matter of being grounded, being in touch with yourself and not pretending like nothing is wrong and then just moving to the next thing that comes to you and you can work through it emotionally, but you're never really done working on yourself emotionally, you know? So you can only enjoy the process in the meantime and have fun in the meantime. It doesn't always have to be just like, now what is it inside that I'm feeling? But, but being aware really, at least in my opinion, makes a difference in life right we're coming out of a pretty dark period of life a lot of people have really been going through it i think it would be safe to say that most people have had a hard time with the last few years and something that i took out of that was that life is way too short not to at least try to have fun. it's you know maybe it's cliche it's a common saying don't take everything too seriously but it's a lot easier said than done so in this show we're really really trying to push the celebration aspect of life it's fun it's it is deep, but it's, it's a, so much fun there's a lot of, there are, we talk about very heavy topics in a very fun and exciting way I love that. Well, wrapping up the first part of this interview, I want to ask both of you, who do you hope have access to Les Bijoux de Paris? So at least a lot of on my, on my end, in general, like we're celebrating a lot of femininity too. I'm not talking gender. I'm talking femininity because I find very often being a very femme person who's often trying to be in control in a room, I've had a hard time. <laughs> you know, I've been questioned because of the femininity thing. So we're really trying to give power to that part of the queer community that is like more on the femme side and, and degraded, but to femme beings and people in general. That's what that's what even like the story, but even just who is in the show and the image we're 
portraying is giving power to femininity specifically. In all it's different, femininity is a lot of things, but you know, not taking away from masculinity, but also elevating femininity. I want to give our listeners now a chance to get to know both of you on a more personal level. And I want to start by asking the two of you, what or who inspires you? Brittany. Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) I have a Brittany tattoo on my chest. It says blackout. (laughs) We love Brittany Spears. We love her story. We love her music. We love who she's become. We love so much about her as a huge inspiration whenever I'm I mean just her music alone if I'm struggling with choreography <laughs> I just blast one of her songs uh, do we have we have speak uh, like a stereo sound system in our living room and if I am feeling stuck I will just blast one of her songs and a hundred percent of the time it will get me moving a hundred percent something will come out of it yeah Brittany is a big one I feel like for me, uh, Brittany is number one. Agreed. Same as Bridget. But for me, I think there's like, a, there's so many people. But if I have to choose one, Tim Burton is a big one for the kind of stories he chooses to tell. Because the corpse bride, like he manages to tell these very human stories and make these very human characters, but setting them in out of the ordinary world, which is what I love to do as a writer. So that, but also I want to mention actually Shonda Rhimes and Matthew Lopez, because I feel like both of their works do an incredible job at depicting, I mean, for me very specifically, I don't want to say minority in general, I'm saying gay people, gay men, very specifically, in a three-dimensional way that is not just like, yeah, being gay is one of the personality traits. Their writing is very like, they're people. They do a great job at that. So for me, I feel like it's these people. In terms of the actual dance aspect of things, other than Britney Spears, my I wouldn't be doing any of this if it wasn't for my teachers. I have had the absolute privilege of having some incredible dance and choreography teachers. Catherine Person, she is, I mean, when her career was thriving, she was a really well-known choreographer. And she taught me how to be silly. <laughs> she really, and when I was studying with her, she would always kind of tell me to stop taking myself so seriously. And she would really push me to have some kind of sense of, sense of humor in the work that I do. And so when you see the show, you'll there's see- There's loads of that. <laughs> in our dance, there's just, yes, there are very serious, very pop Britney girl boss <laughs> moments. And then there are just ridiculous and, and fun moments as well. I love all of that. And who doesn't love a good Britney Spears song? I'm just saying. Yeah. Going along with that, have either of you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Sleep No More. I know it's been on for a long time. I've seen it three times. It is the best show I've ever seen. I'm obsessed with it. It is, I think, one of the things that we've been talking about in our household is the threat of AI 
on art and how that is going to change the face of theatre and entertainment. Sleep No More is an immersive production that takes place across, I think, five different, like, a multi-layer building. I think there are five levels to it. Maybe one. I think, no, I think it's five. And it is heavily dance-based, extremely interactive, mm-hmm. and a very personal experience. So each time you go, you're following different characters. Basically, the show runs on a, on a loop, and each character has their own track through the building. And you get to experience individual characters' stories. So each time you go, it's completely different. I've seen it three times, and every story has been completely different. I think things like that are going to change the face of the theatre, especially with the threat of AI. You can't reproduce that with a robot. <laughs> you just can't. Yeah, Sleep No More is a, is a big one. I personally also, I'm going to keep going back to like, you know, the the gay thing, but, you know, I, I think it's finally happening that there are some shows written by gay writers for a gay audience, which of course can be appreciated by everyone the way gay people can appreciate like everything else. But, you know, shows like Titanic that I was very skeptical at first. I waited for a whole year before going and everybody was talking about it because I was like, this looks trashy. But, you know, again, the, the, the thing of like going and then seeing that it was, I never laughed that hard at a show, you know, going and why does it all have to be so serious? And also, you know, having that kind of comedy in a commercial piece was something that was new for me because it's, it's a lot of like jokes rooted in, 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 the, in the gay community. And, and I was like, oh. I haven't seen that a lot in like commercial settings, and I and I think it's it's hilarious. Um, and I remember I brought my parents to it. They barely speak English, regardless. But you know, they were like, "Yeah, this is very cool." I'm not understanding a single joke, but you know, I'm like, "Yeah, but you know, it's it's nice to to sometimes have that space in, in commercial theater, not just being something like experimental for like the community like that." So yeah, Titanic is a lot of fun. <laughs> Let me ask you both, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? The process. I know like it's kind of going back to what I said earlier, but it's like, for me, it's about who I'm doing it with. You know, I, which is why like the show part, the end part is my least favorite part of it all. <laughs> I like being in the room or actually as as a, as a player, that's still part of the process, right? The working in the theater, like, but it's it's about the thing in itself. I know I talked to a lot of people who we went to drama school. Lots of love for our drama kids, but like a lot of people are in it because you know it's fun to get the recognition and everything. And yeah, sure, it's fun. But for me, it's about the actual product, the thing. <laughs> you know, like so I want to say the process of being in the room with people. I love creating. I love, especially after COVID, I realized how important community was for me and something that you don't get on film that you do get with theater is that sense of community because you have to go through a lengthy rehearsal process and you do have to get to know each other and you do spend a long time in the room if i'm doing a music video the rehearsal will be like a couple days before once you go home you practice and then you turn up to set like 6 a.m or whatever it is and it's a full long day of shoots and then maybe you never see each other again. 
Um, and that's kind, yeah, that's <laughs> kind of lonely. It's kind of lonely. I love, I love being able to connect with people, genuinely. I think theater has a lot of potential for that as an art form in general. You, know, you have to be in the room. At the end of the at day, at the same time, at the end of the day, it's all about being a person. Yes, yeah. community, community, community. Zoom doesn't cut it, man. You gotta be in. You gotta sure. be with people. <laughs> well, we've arrived now at my favorite question to ask guests, and that is, what is your favorite theater memory? I think that I remember. It's not a moment, but it's like a. It's when I realized, okay, I actually wanna wanna do this. I remember when I did my very, very, very first show, I was, because I'm Italian, so I was in Italy, it was pre-college, I was 16, the company, I didn't even know Bridget or anybody from the company. And I did this show, it took me a year to put it up because it was already the pop thing. It was terrible, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was so in it. And I remember there was this one dancer who at the beginning of the process was very, very insecure. And and she she has a lot of like, mental health problems in her life and she's very insecure but then when she gets on stage she transforms and she's been in the show for the whole year so at the beginning she was very shy in the room she wouldn't really dance she wouldn't really do the sexy thing and was like if you don't want to do it don't do it you know whatever and then by the end of it on opening night she was just like incredible she was really feeling herself <laughs> and and then she wrote me a text and she was like oh I want to thank you because this process helped me so much as a person to get so gain so much confidence and I was like oh and the show wasn't about like and we do we rarely talk about social stuff such as homophobia or body shaming we don't talk about it with words we just bring in bring people on stage and and we've been told more than once like that we're hypocrites because we're pushing this diversity thing and then everybody's like why does everybody look so good on stage on your shows and it's like well that's the point because we don't we bring on stage a diversity like a diverse group of people when it comes to like a lot of things and everybody looks really good because Especially they're feeling good appearance everybody is nobody is the same no not at all and, and but everybody looks Slave. yeah and it's like you know we yes we do bring this fantasy version but anybody everybody can be that that's the whole thing like we don't do the white t-shirt looks don't matter no just that we put in practice that everybody can absolutely slay if they're feeling it and everybody does all the time so i feel like but the first time that i saw it happening a transformation because of a show of mine which was that time when i was 15 i was like oh hold on that's this is cool, so we can do this. So yeah, that's that's the one for me. Love that. Yeah. Bridget, what about you? So I grew up in the Middle East, in the United Arab Emirates, and there was not a lot of theater there. Uh, and additionally, it's quite a conservative country in terms of self-expression. So I, I had to, when I grew up, I had to, you know, respect the culture and respect the religion and when I came to New York it was such a culture shock because everything was the exact opposite like you can do whatever you want you can say whatever you want you can dress how you want people not only will not judge you they actually won't even look so how this relates to the question is that my first year of drama school was transformative for me because we spent a lot of time in rehearsal rooms 
just figuring out what are the boundaries of my self-expression? How do I be a theater artist? How do I, what does it mean to feel rage to my fullest capacity? What does it mean to move my body like this? So what does it mean to experience love for a character? You know, it's not, it was not even like, in our first year of drama school, we barely did scenes. <laughs> we barely did any acting. It was about releasing expectations of ourselves as people and how we show up as artists so that we could discover really what else is there that we can't even yeah. imagine. So my, I, I just, it's not exactly like watching theater or being in the theater, but my process, the first year of drama school was huge in my process to becoming a theater artist. I will always look back on those days as incredible. That is, wow, it's amazing. Thank you both for sharing those great memories. I love those. Are there any other projects or productions that either of you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug? Yeah, so with the company, it's actually we have two with company Luna planned in the, for, for the following year. We're actually traveling for the fall, for, for next year. We're leaving New York for a bit because we're young and we want to do theater in new places and get exposed to new things. So in, in December, we're doing a show in Italy back going back to the roots for me at least we're doing a show there it's a, it's an original show that we've never ever ever done and then i mean do you want to do say yeah yeah well to... then we're moving to london for a year at all of us the, the whole company, company <laughs> all five of us yes and we're going to be doing the edinburgh fringe festival in august 2024 yeah and we'll bring him back like a show that we actually did in new york a year ago love's concordia bar we're gonna rework it, reworkshop it. We've both grown, we all of us have grown so much since doing that. So we wanna redo it, but I think it's gonna be a wonderful experience. Yeah, very different. Yeah. Well, finally, if our listeners want more information about Les Bijoux de Paris or about either of you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do so? So for the show, the website is a great resource, companythelunatheater.com. But also our Instagram, we have so much promotional material because we do pop, so it looks good. So you get to know the characters, you get to see some parts of the choreo, you get to see hear snippets of the songs. So Instagram and the website is are good ones. Company La Luna is our Instagram. I mean, for me personally, my Instagram is also probably the best one at Eduardo Tesio, which is my name, which is pretty straightforward. Mine is at not underscore Bridget underscore x my name is b-r-i-d-g-e-t <laughs> yeah instagram is good. it's a good one it's a good one well wonderful eduardo bridget thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today about your amazing theater company and this amazing show i am so excited I'm to sorry. see it but this sounds amazing so congrats to all of to all of you in the company, to both of you, and thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you so thank you much for having for us. My guests today have been the choreographer, Bridget Spencer, and the playwright and director, Eduardo Tessio, both who are with Theater Company de la Luna, who are presenting Le Bijou de Paris, June 29th through July 1st, at the Chain Theater. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting 
companydelalunatheater.com. We also have some contact information for both their company and these individuals in particular that we'll be posting on our episode description, as well as on our social media. But run, don't walk to get your tickets to see this amazing show running June 29th through July 1st at the Chain Theater. It's Le Bijou de Paris, and we will see you there. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones Unwrap your candies. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. <laughs> Thank you. Two friends from old New York town Met in a foreign land One sang the praises of if you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.